Greetings and welcome to the third episode of the Speakers Podcast, a show where I converse with music producers, engineers, mixers, artists, and gear companies that have made some notable products. Speakers originally started off as a website that still exists, but it's been 11 years of doing Q&A interviews that eventually wore me out, so we're doing this mostly as a podcast now. Today's guest is Brent Colatalo, a producer and mixer whose early work included Kanye West's college dropout and late registration, and he later went on to work with the likes of Kendrick Lamar, Future, and a host of other artists. In this conversation, we were able to talk about his background and how he got to where he's at. Typically, I try to do track breakdowns in all of my interviews so that we can actually look at some of the production behind particular releases, but we were unfortunately not able to do that this time for lack of time. But I hope you nonetheless enjoy the conversation looking at Brent's career and how he got to where he's at. This interview was recorded towards the end of 2023, so please excuse the last question, which is a bit dated, talking about Brent's future plans for the end of last year. And that's it for the intro. I hope you enjoy this conversation, and thanks to everybody for listening. Hi, Brent. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Nice to have you on the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so starting from the beginning, from what I understand, you got into music production as a kid by way of the guitar? Yeah, yeah. I was I was playing, uh, like, practicing guitar, like, 20, like pretty much 24-7. I thought I was going to be, like, this virtuoso guitar player and like i went to berkeley and uh then i realized like when i went to berkeley uh in boston realized there was like like a hundred kids just as good if not better than me you know there and kind of it was a reality check for me and i was just like okay what is like what do i love about music it just made me want to go behind the scenes and just actually be able to craft a song and like that's what i actually truly love so like I respect all like anyone who can like really, you know, be a virtuoso and play like, the hell out of their instrument. But like for me, like it, was, it became more about you know wanting to be a part of a song, you know, as a whole. I see. And being that you got accepted to Berkeley for guitar, um, what year was that, by the way? Uh, I think that was. It's like 2003, I want to say. But honestly, like I feel like Berkeley accepts anybody. Like, like anyone can get into Berkeley, and uh, like, I, no, no, there's no knock on Berkeley. But now, nowadays, I feel like you don't like you don't need to go at all to music school, especially because now, like when I when I like 2003, the like there's so much like YouTube was still like you couldn't get as much knowledge on YouTube. But now, like there's so much knowledge, like. It, you can get like it's you don't you don't really need music school honestly. i hate to say it but i don't even know what like berkeley's tuition is now like per year but like it's gotta be like sixty thousand at least at, at the same like fuck that man like <laughs> no way it's hard enough man hard enough yeah no i can relate uh music school was not the route for me and i don't blame anybody that wants to do it themselves their own way yeah, I'm not gonna knock it. I get it. I mean, it's great for connections. I'll say, I'll say that. You meet like I met a lot of like. Honestly, I wouldn't have uh, like met Ken Lewis, who ended up. Uh, I was like interning. He, he was like basically my mentor, but I ended up like 
he went to Berkeley and that's how I got connected with him. And so I, in the summers I come and in, like intern for him in like New York city and then go back to Berkeley. But if it wasn't for Berkeley, I wouldn't have met Ken. Probably. So I, I'm thankful for that. How did you, when and how did you land the internship internship at Avatar Studios? That was, uh, I think Ken actually helped me land that. He's, I think, 10 years older than me, but he basically knew the whole uh, studio. Like, it was Studio Row. Like, there were so many studios in New York City. Like, I don't know if you remember that, but, like, there's Avatar, and, like, next to Avatar was Sony, and then across the street was Hit, Hit Factory. And it was, it was actually a really inspiring time. Now there's all that shit's gone, like all of it. I think Avatar now is owned by Berkeley. They call it the power station now, but Berkeley ended up buying it. It's because like nobody, like, you can't, you don't need a big studio anymore, unfortunately. It seems like your credits start to kind of appear around 2002, 2003. Um, was that while you were at Berkeley still? And what were some of these initial artists that you, you worked with? Uh, I think that, I mean, the biggest one was... Uh, Definitely Kanye. Kanye pretty much like launched like my my career, and that was like we got lucky because uh, like my uh, like Ken Ken Lewis was uh, had always worked with him as a as a producer, and then uh, he had gotten that like car accident. Uh, I don't know if like where he had to have like his face got all fucked up, and Ken like lost contact with him. We happened to 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 run into him like during like a, an artist uh, showcase because we were showcasing one of our artists. And he happened to be showcasing his artist, which was like John Legend at the time, which uh, he was not very good. I'm not gonna lie, man. Like he he had he looked completely different. Uh, but uh, I mean, you could you could tell he was super talented, but he just had an off night. But like Kanye happened to be like at the bar by himself, and I'll never forget like just us walking up to him, and like we knew he was work like work Def Jam had signed him, and he was working on. Uh, college dropout and he was just like hey they reconnected and he's like yeah I'll, I'll throw you some songs you know like see like see what you you can do and like i will never forget like when we were listening to it when we got back to the studio i was just like just floor i'm blown away by the, the songs i was like either people like this is gonna be the biggest fucking thing ever or it's gonna go over everyone's head you know because you just never know with that stuff there's been so many things that i thought were gonna like go take off and just not, like nothing not even a blip like a blip on the radar you know so sometimes you just never know but that that shit was i i knew like when we started working on it man like it was just something something super special man like he he just had it man that that first album was unbelievable so then we started uh after we worked on that we were like Kanye was still like mainly a producer as well and so he he was producing on um like, uh, I think we worked on Janet Jackson and like Lenny Kravitz. And this was all uh, like, as him as a producer. Then I, I think he started going more into the artist like realm. But like that, getting those big credits, it, it, all it takes is like a few big credits and then things start to snowball. And I, I, I feel like the industry, the music industry people trust you more for some reason, you know? Um, it, 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 it's a snowball effect, honestly. Like when things are going good, like you just want to keep, you want to seize that moment. So it was working with Kanye that put you on Lenny Kravitz's baptism and Demita Joe. 
yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not. Was it Lenny Kravitz? It could have been just Blaze or Lenny Kravitz. I'm, I can't 100 percent remember, but definitely Janet Jackson and Common. We were working like we were working with Common, and who else was it? Jada Kiss, Jada Kiss. That was Kanye. I remember um, you said in, once in a past interview, uh, quote, try offering your work for free if you have to. That's what I did when I first started out. The credit will pay itself off down the road. So what projects are these that you did for free in the early days? Uh, there was like remixes. Uh, a lot of it was like just uh, like people. I can't. There was like uh, like Sully. I don't know if you guys remember this guy. He's like this white rapper from Boston. He was on like a reality show. But there was like th like projects I would just reach out to people and be like, hey, and also I believed in them, you know, as an artist and just wanted it on my resume. And uh, but I, I still believe in that, you know, like people should reach like DM people and be like, hey, you know, I'll I'll give you if, if you don't have any credits that that's the way like that's the way to do it and like build a relationship. You know, you have to come at people offering something if you don't have if they're not on your same tier. Because uh, I, I get people messaging me all the time wanting to work together. And, but like, I don't know what are they going to bring to the table if they don't have any credits or anything. Like, it's got to be a give and take. So. No, it makes sense. And as far as the, the Ken connection, there seems to be a lot of eerie like overlap as far as both being from Cincinnati, both had the same guitar teacher I've heard both Berkeley. Yeah, that's how we met. It was from uh my like our guitar teacher. He that's why I, like I wanted to go to Berkeley and like he uh introduced us. So I had always just kept in contact with him like at, um since I, I was going to Berkeley and just kind of kept my like just like hey, if you're looking for any interns and I, he happened to be that was when uh the online stuff, the online business, like the music stuff, like he was working at his home studio. That's when things were kind of going away from the big studios. And like, I was lucky to fall right into that transition and be able to work at his home studio, which ended up like he ended up building out, man, his whole second, like by the end of it, like his whole like second floor was a music studio. It, was, it had an SSL console in there. Like when we like when I first started interning for him, it was like this like little like Pro Tools shitty thing. And like it was like a little desk. And then every like shit just it just got crazy, man, crazy. Yeah, all this crazy outboard gear. It was like a legit studio by the end of it because we were doing like we would go into, uh, yeah, man. There would be so many late nights. Like, I, then it's one thing like I love about uh, like go go getting off topic a little bit. Like home studios though is like you can work whenever you want and not have to. I don't know, man. We would we would have such late nights, like twenty four hour like sessions, like where cracked out, like the sun is coming up, and like you have you got to drive back to New Jersey, yeah, you know. And uh, but this, anyway. but the early part of your work with Ken at least seemed to be whilst you're still at Berkeley. So when you're having this sort of whatever success you may have had prior to the college dropout starting, what are your schoolmates thinking? Oh, he's working on famous stuff. He he's going to be successful. Yeah, no, what was crazy is like, I, uh, Ken offered me a job. I was, I was going to go back to Berkeley and that was before we started working with Kanye. And the year I dropped out of, out of college was a year, uh, I ended up going to the Grammys for working on the college dropout, which was like the universe being like, cause my parents wanted me to go back to, to college. Cause that's, you know, your parents, like, that's what they think is the, the right thing to do. 
And I was like, okay, this is the universe being like, this, this is a sign saying you did the right thing, you know? Because uh, I wasn't sure either. I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, but this feels right. You got to go with your gut, you know? So speaking of the album itself, um, it seems like you did a lot of the drum work, at least on the stuff that you guys were assigned. Uh, can you walk me through what the division of labor was between you and Ken? Yeah, like, the, honestly, a lot of it, like, I'm not a singer. I, what was crazy is, like, I ended up singing on that. I, I sang on Last Call, but... I'm not a singer at all. And that was more of a joke. Like Ken like just did, like threw that to me just to see if I could do it. And like, it was only literally, I did uh, like a few words and it took me over like two hours to, to do it. Like, that's how bad I was. But like drums, like I'm good at drum programming. I've always been good at that. That's the one thing I'm, I'm like really good at. Uh, I mean, I'm good at guitar as well. And like the white keys on the piano. C major, and all you got, all you have to have is like loop, like just put in loop record, and I'm, I'm a maestro, you know. I'm fucking, I'm virtuous. <laughs> one one note at a time, man. It works. Yeah, no, it does. Like, but like, also, you know, I know what sounds good as well. So, like, you can't. Sometimes it's hard to teach that, you know, to know when, like, to not overplay and like just to keep it simple. Do you remember all the tracks that you produced on that album other than Last Call? Uh, I didn't produ produce anything on that album. It was more uh, being like a musician and like doing like sample replays. That that was a lot of, because uh, he was like getting, he sampled so much on that first album. Like, and he couldn't get a lot of it cleared. So we'd have to like recreate it or like do like a, a version where they wouldn't know it was a sample that he took from you know so you had to be put on like your producer hat and like flip it in a way that still would make sense and they like, fit the song i know we worked on last call i mean we worked on a bunch honestly we worked on half the album but like i don't know what ha like half of the stuff made it half of it didn't I mean, we worked on jesus walks i don't know like sometimes you get credit on things and you don't get credit on things uh we're going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and it's depressing too. Like, wow. Like, what it was a lesson I learned is like, I, I stopped. There's so many things that I would like on future, like Kanye albums, like I, we would work on. And then when the album will come out and I would tell like everybody, I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, I'm going to get credit on this and it would come out and then like our names wouldn't be on there. And then I like the, still the work is there. You, you can hear what you did and you, you just this embarrassing, you know, you felt like like foolish. And I, I learned the, the lessons like I, st I would stop telling people until like till it comes out, you know, then like, you know, but like they know, like, like if you if you don't get credited, you can still go back and like try to fight for it and like talk to like the, the his like the label representative. But still, it, it's shitty. It's a real shitty thing, man. And like, especially now, I love that Spotify at least adds the credits on there. Well, they they do that. I don't think Apple Apple Music does it, but like, credits are important. I used to love like reading like like uh, I'd have a CD, you know, and like you go through the liner notes, man. Like it was it was like it was part of like the experience, you know. I love that shit, I, and I want to know who's like. You know, I, I was always into producers and like people who worked on like executive produced the album and stuff. It was like I love that stuff. Speaking of credits, so it's a it's a reoccurring thing, obviously, with certain camps of people. 
especially in the urban music space, that producers or beat makers, even engineers sometimes don't get credits. And I was previously unsure of whether it's negligence over malice or greed because somebody wants to reroute royalties or whatever. But engineers don't even get paid royalties. So it's kind of confounding. Ken used to go back and forth on Gearspace all the time about credits. I remember once with Mike Dean, he spoke out of turn and then Ken jumped in and was like, quote, I have had my name completely missing from so many Kanye albums and productions over the years. So then I looked at your credits on Discogs and all music versus what you've listed on your website. And I don't see anything on those other sites about late registration or 808s. I don't even see you credited on Commons B or Drake's if you're reading this is too late and a bunch of other things. Yeah, we didn't get credit on that. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's unreal. Like it, it, it's, and honestly, I, I, it's probably a combination of both. I don't like. I, I want to think that it's more negligence than, and and I have a feeling it is. Like there's just things that just get lost, you know, and like lost in, in like all the communication. And usually, like when we're uh, a lot of the times, like they would bring Ken and I uh, like in at the very last minute too on a lot of these songs. And like, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's depressing. Also, I used to like really bother me a lot, but then, then like, it's just like, you just can't worry about things that are out of your control. You know, I can only can control what like I can control and I'll make sure like, the major like the label knows and like i can reach out like our manager would reach out and like sometimes you can get a change like i said but still like it's probably negligent like majority of it's probably negligence uh but some of it could be they want to be the only person like on the song credited you know that's definitely there's been some instances where i i know that for a fact i'm not gonna say who but like there's been yeah and it's just it's just super petty though, man. You know, you're just kind of like, come on, man. We're like, we're all in this together. You know, like, especially if you're not the main producer, if you're just doing like, doing a little thing, like, why not give that person like a proper credit? You know, on it. It's like it's not like it doesn't take anything away from you. You know, I was gonna say that what the mythos that's built up around somebody like Kanye is that early on he was this great beat maker, and that's how he he put himself on. But then when you, when I hear like, oh, somebody else helped with half the album and maybe there's even other people helping in the background. It's like, OK, so at what point were you, were you ever really making your own stuff and putting it out without anybody helping you? Yeah, no, no. I, oh, everyone. I mean, man, like I feel like everyone like ha- needs like, I don't know, like there's there's been so many like ghostwriters, too, for like artists that they like, haven't haven't gotten credited that like I know like we've worked with. It's it's the music industry, man. That's shady, it's shady style. <laughs> it's like you, you kind of know what you're getting into, though, and it's like it is what it is, and you know, just kind of roll with it. And you you can't really, I don't know, rat like rat anybody out, and like because there's like really no proof either. Sometimes you know, maybe like their manager forgot to put it put it on there. It's it's just it's it's stupid, but it's like how people make their living. You know, unfortunately, and it's like if there's not verification, if like an artist or the label forgets to to get you a credit on there, that is like they're gonna take that's taken away from your livelihood, and like that's that's a shitty thing to do. And I, I, I'm sure they don't realize that, and it's the majority of the times, but it's a problem though for sure. From t- like 2005 to 2009, I noticed that a n- quite a number of your credits overlap with Ken's in terms of artists like Cuban Link, uh, Skidmore Fountain. 
you know, even like the non-big ones. How much are you guys working together at this time versus you finding your own clientele? Uh, that's what I, right, like, I was a baby. Like, I had no idea what I was doing when we were working on that stuff. I was just like a kid, like, just being thrown into, like, the fire. <laughs> I have fond memories. I don't even know how to, like, wrap a, uh, a microphone cable properly. <laughs> it took me, like, a week to figure that out. I had no idea what I was doing. But, uh, and I was terrified, but I figured it out. Uh, but yeah, I think that was when I was just first, like, trying to figure out how I was going to make it in the music industry. And like, honestly, like I just outworked the other person. That's the only way I could do it. Cause I wasn't talented in the beginning, you know? but, uh, I could outwork the other person out. I out hustle them. So I think a lot of, uh, notable hip hop credits for you also start in the late two thousands with Kid Cudi, Man on the Moon 2, Teflon Dawn, and of course my dark twisted fantasy. Um, is all the, of this still coming through Ken? Uh, yeah, that was, that was through Ken. Yeah. That's when like we, then th at that point, like I was, we we're in the process of becoming production partners. I, I was learning my craft and was honing it. And, uh, when did, when did uh, my dark twisted fantasy come out? When you okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, right. Yeah. There, there was like five years in there where I was just like trying to. To just not get fired. <laughs> just like, I gotta fucking, I gotta figure this shit out. I mean, I was good musically, but not like on the technical side. And like, I wasn't an engineer. Like, I don't know how to, a patch bay was like, looking at a patch bay, like, I would like, my hands would sweat. You know, I was like, I don't know what the, like, in, in, like this in, out, what? Like, my, my, my head would just explode. I have like, just like, Fucking like these these journals, man, filled with like just these chicken scratching notes. Just so I'd like when I'd like take the subway in, like like uh, to the studio, like I would review them and make sure like I knew my shit. So you and Ken form a Catalyst in what seems like 2011 ish, and then you go you go on to work on uh, other well known projects. Why did it take almost a decade though to create a formal duo? I mean, you you're already working together. Why wasn't that there from the start? And what changed with the duo? Uh, I mean, like, like I said, I, like I was, I was, I was a newbie. I had no idea what I was doing. I, it took me a while to learn. And like, also, uh, um, things just like we had formed more relationships and, uh, and I think that's when like, I'm trying to think of what our first, our first big production credit was, uh, future. Can't even remember the name of the song. I'm so bad with like names, man. Uh, Forgive me, uh, but that was like the our, our biggest uh, first big like music. Uh, Blood, sweat, tears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. But that's when like he was with uh, like married to, with uh, like Sierra as well. Like that, that's he was big, but he's nowhere near as big as he is now. You know, like he was still kind of on the come up. It took that long uh, mainly because I, I needed to get better and prove myself to Ken as well, you know, that I, that I could add value to our like relationship. There's a tendency, I think, for the average person to think that success and wealth can spill over by osmosis. So basically, if you're standing next to rich and successful people, then presumably you get rich and successful yourself. And so with the credits being what they are, did your involvement in these projects bring you a commensurate level of prosperity as the people 
would think on the outside looking in? Do you become financially set because you worked on big records and big albums? No, not at all. Because the majority of that stuff I didn't get publishing on, you know, but like a lot. That's funny you say that because like a lot of people assume that as well. But like that was, a lot of it was just like, you know, work for hire stuff. Um, but like some of it, did, like if you play it, like a lot of people don't know this. If you play it like on a, a big out like song that goes big, like, uh, like say, uh, uh, like I did like the claps on uh, power for Kanye. Uh, and uh, you can get performing uh, royalties. So it's called like neighboring rights. I didn't know that go like going into it. Somebody had to tell me, but like if that song, like if, if it does if it, a song like power, like you can get, you can do very well. And that's almost like, it's not as good as publishing, but still there's like something there. Cause that song gets synced. Like, I mean, you hear that in every stadium, you know, it's like, I think that, I think that's a staple that'll be around. Like all the lights, you hear that still all the time. I still get like neighboring rights for that. Uh, but, and also like, we, we used to fight like hard for, uh, going back to, uh, just doing the work for higher stuff, like publishing now, like you just don't get paid that much anyway. And we used to like go to battle, like to try to get publishing on songs. Like, you know, we, we like you produced and like, you felt like you were getting slighted. At the end of the day, it's like, you got to pick your battles. If that makes sense. I mean, like, sometimes you can like make a big stink over something and like, you could be technically right and like get lawyers involved, but you're probably never going to work with that artist again. Indeed. So as you racked up all these credits, you know, what starts to change in your career? Because you said that because you amassed all this work, you stopped having to reach out to people. Clients now contact you. Yeah, yeah. And that's what was great about it is like then I, I, I got to ch pick and choose what I wanted to work on. And that's where I ultimately uh, I, I wanted wanted to do it from the beginning. And, and now, like, I don't know, my favorite thing to do is developing like artists now. It's like being at like in from the ground up on a project and not having like a label like tell you what to do and like have guidelines and like we you have to follow the x and y z trend because this is popping right now it's like you're just in it like let's just do this because like it made me love music again because i don't know it's just like i want to do like why i got into music was like i love blues i love like i just love what i've i just want to do what i want to do and like that's the end of it it's like i don't know like when you're working for a label it's it becomes like a corporation kind of thing and like you're kind of put in a box and like it's still like you're still kind of working for the man a bit if that makes sense so like those credits allowed me to to be have comfortable work from like indie clients and then would allow me to like take on an indie client and produce them and blow the project up and then try to upsell it to like a major label like that that for me was more fulfilling than working on a, a huge artist where i'm only like you know there's always like 15 people that are were working on like an urban song or something you know like and you're just like a, a cog in the wheel you know but this is like you you've it's like your baby so getting those credits allowed me to pivot transition into like developing artists and just doing more more of that but they, they would have never came to me if i didn't have those credits and so what happened to catalyst and and the relationship with ken as you sort of moved into your own solo stuff we still work together on, on stuff but he he moved back to ohio actually i don't know if you knew that but like, yeah he moved to, uh, to ohio uh i'm still here 
holding it down in New York, New Jersey. Um, but yeah, he, I think he, he's getting more into teaching as well. He does like the, these, like the Wednesday night thing. Like, I don't know. He's, he's doing more. Like I, I kind of wanted to do more, uh, producing and developing and it's, it's, uh, yeah, we, we, we still work together. Still love each other. Yeah. I think you've, you've talked a bit about, uh, at least three, four years ago, what your studio setup was, um, based around the SSL, AWS 900 and, and such. Now that you're running your own operation, what, what's the full extent of the studio that you have at home? I mean, mainly it's, it's a little bit of like a couple outboard analog gear, like things I've got like the, the Rupert Neve, like the Portico that I use like on the, like a, a two bus. I only use that like on the mix bus, but everything else, like I, I feel like a lot of like the plugins, the digital stuff, man, is like, it's so up to par. And so like, I work on so many projects. Like I, I do, I love mixing on SSL, but the, how time consuming it is to recall all that stuff. And like with, and, and honestly, like the kids these days don't even care about that stuff. And they, they really don't like, I, I remember re like mixing on an SSL and I would get complaints about the tape hiss in the beginning. Cause you always usually hear like the SSL tape hiss in the, the intro and the outro. Cause that's usually like the, the, the quietest part of the song. And they'd be like, what's up with this tape hiss? I'm like, that's the beauty of analog, man. And like, I, and then I have to go back and like, try to figure out how to get it completely pristine, clear without any tape hiss. And like the kid, like I'm just like got no respect, man. <laughs> but so I was just like, fuck it, man. Like we're just gonna go all all in the box. Uh, but I mean, like I still I still love doing it. Just like, but I think that's more like an ego thing too, honestly. But like I, there is a difference, but it, it's so my like minor in my opinion that like doing everything, the majority of like mixing and like producing in the box is, is just the way to go. It just makes way more sense. And like, there's like, you can make digital plugins sound like analog now. There's just ways you can like really push things like back, back when like, like, I don't know, plugins weren't that big of a thing. Like you couldn't do that. But now there's like every plugin in the sun that can do something. You'd mentioned in, uh, I think it was 2019 that your top five pieces of gear, uh, AWS 900, Keyscape, Massive, Sony C800 and uh, Vocal Synth 2 by Isotope. Has any of that changed? Uh, the, I love the, the Rupert Neve, like the Portico. Yeah. That's definitely become my go-to piece. I think what else, um, uh, gold, gold boss. I actually use that a bunch, man. I'm probably pronouncing it incorrectly. It's like AI shit, man. It's like this AI Q thing where it like does real time it's spelled G U L L F O S S. Okay. But like I, I put that nonstop on my mix bus. And basically what it does is like every bar, like it, it, it has this algorithm built in where it, it'll adjust and, it, and make it sound what it, it, it's like, it thinks it's supposed to sound like that's good. And it, like, I hate that. I love it. It's a hundred percent cheat code. And, um, I see you on some mixed places like sound better and uh, a few others. What do you take for a mix nowadays? Uh, for indie stuff, it's like 500. Sound better has been great. Uh, I love just being able to help, like, just the indie client, like, just someone who's like a novice too, and like help them fulfill their dream, even if it's like the, their first 
I don't know, maybe like first production ever or like the first song ever as an artist to help like guide them, be a part of that. Uh, it's, it's something special, even though like it might not be the best song. It's what is meaningful for them and it makes it meaningful for me. So tell me about Barker Collective. What What's the thrust of that? Yeah, it's just uh, like, so actually we're developing like a, a sync uh, like this basically taking on like artists and like building out sync projects and uh shopping things to sync companies uh right now we're we're doing this rock project um called uh the black vultures you're gonna have actually a single out in a in a, in a few months uh first single uh i don't know i, I actually really enjoy doing like sync, sync kind of work related stuff but yeah it's just a different avenue you know of music like music things have you gotten any placements yet with barkers and, and how does that work you know supervisors or how, how do you secure your place yeah yeah you just know supervisors yeah yeah that's pretty much it's it, honestly like that whole that whole scene is definitely a little like you, you kind of have to know somebody unfortunately like at least that's been my experience and it's very ancestral like you you do me a favor i'll do you a favor kind of thing and like i feel like all all those music supervisors like i don't know you get like but it's one of those things like your first credit but once you get in like then you're in and then like it can it can start snowballing a bit well i hope it goes well um thanks man what do you have coming up for the rest of the year um musically anything you want to focus on for the rest of 2023 uh yeah i mean like so i'm actually doing like a our artist producer projects as well so that's the thing i'm, I'm most excited about like I've uh, got a song coming out in the winter uh, where like, so there, I mean, I'm sure as if any producer listening to this, uh, like there's so many songs, like you do like these writing sessions and like, they'll never see the light of day. And like, they're, they're, you can have like some gems and like, like, there's just been so many songs that I've worked on that I've personally loved. And I'm just like, you know what? Like these are just sitting on my hard drive. I'm like I'm doing music for people to hear shit, and I believe in this. I love this song, and why not just put it out? So that's that's what I'm I'm doing. It's like I know I believe like it, it's exciting for me. It's like new territory. So that's the, that's like my my biggest like thing. Like I've been focusing on honestly. So I'm gonna try to do that, and uh, yeah, we'll see we'll see where it goes, but. Yeah, just doing personal projects, like some sync projects. I'm still like developing artists, working with some like I'm executive producing uh, this girl named Gabby B. Like she's like a TikTok star. She's got like 12 million followers. She's super talented, super talented. That's gonna come out. Uh, well, yeah, working with Pooh Bear. Um, he's like a producer. He work. He does a bunch of like Justin Bieber stuff. Working on his album with uh, the, this writer named Sasha. Um, so yeah man always always doing something still winning yeah <laughs> trying <laughs> trying <laughs> no that's cool i mean thank you for talking to me man this was really nice yeah 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 it was good talking